You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. A pre-recorded message for April the 19th, 2020, from various locations, including our altar at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, a beach, my library in my church office, and a museum in our city. The text is John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing, you may have life in his name. So there's a story from my childhood that I remember so clearly but there are no witnesses. And over the years, I've started questioning whether it's true or was maybe a story that I made up when I was a kid and began to believe as I got older. I'm not sure. Whatever the case may be, here's the story. After watching the movie Mary Poppins one day, I was inspired with her ability to fly around with nothing more than an umbrella that I decided to try my own little experiment. And so I got a big umbrella and I got a ladder and I climbed up the ladder to the top of my family's one-story rancher. Got on top of the roof and I opened up the umbrella. I took a deep breath and I jumped off the edge of my roof. Well, you know what happened, right? That umbrella couldn't handle the wind up against it, and so it collapsed. 
and I fell to the ground pretty hard, straining my ankle, but that was about it. Now, whether or not that story is true, in my memory it is, but I don't know for sure. Whether or not it's true, what that tells me about myself at that age was that I was either A, an idiot, or B, a budding scientist, or C, maybe a little combination of both. You see, watching Mary Poppins at that young age, I wondered if you could really do that, if people could really fly around with umbrellas. And so I decided to, to seek the truth, to find out for sure. And so when we get to the story of Thomas, often called Doubting Thomas, I get Thomas. Thomas just wanted to make sure that what he was hearing was true. There's nothing wrong with that. And so instead of calling him Doubting Thomas, I typically find myself defending Thomas. Well, the story from the Gospel of John goes something like this. So on Friday, the disciples were certain that Jesus had been crucified, executed, and buried. And on Saturday, it was the Sabbath, so nothing much happened, but then Sunday came. Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, and she found that the stone had been rolled away, and she went and got Peter and John, and they verified her claims. And then Mary, Mary had an encounter with the risen Lord. And so she went back to tell the disciples, I have seen the Lord, she said. And that was in the morning. Now, this is several hours later where our story today picks up. The disciples have now gathered in that upper room with the doors locked, the scripture says, for fear of the Jews. And nobody at this point has seen the risen Lord except for Mary. So you want to take a guess what the conversation was in that upper room with the disciples? With the stone rolled away, but nobody had seen Jesus except for Mary. Do you think that was an elephant in the room? Or do you think they were talking about it? Mary says she saw Jesus. Do you think she's delusional? Or maybe, was it a dream? Could she be lying? You don't think it's true, do you? So that's how I imagine the conversation happening in that upper room when all of a sudden, with the door locked, Jesus appears in the room. The disciples experience the risen Lord, all except for Thomas. And so they tell Thomas later what they had seen. And Thomas, Thomas just said, you know, unless I see the wounds, unless I can stick my finger into his side where that spear pierced him, unless I can experience the risen Lord for myself, I, I can't believe. And so one week later, one whole week later, the disciples are once again gathered in that room. The door is locked. Thomas is there this time. And Jesus shows up. 
And Jesus invites Thomas to touch his hands and to touch his side. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God, from doubt to belief to beholding the risen Lord. Now, I find myself defending Thomas because Thomas was simply seeking the truth. And there is nothing wrong with seeking the truth. And think, I think that seeking truth is a character strength, not a character flaw. So doubting Thomas? No. Let's find ourselves defending Thomas for seeking the truth. Well, how do we seek the truth when it comes to spiritual or theological claims? There is one very helpful tool that I find in trying to understand what is true with regards to theology and spirituality. It's a gift given to us from the Methodist tradition. It's called the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. Now, the Wesleyan Quadrilateral has four factors to consider when exploring the deepest truths, the truths about God, theology. And the four factors are these, reason, scripture, tradition, and experience. So these are four tools that we can use when trying to discern truth. Now, the different traditions within Christianity tend to lean one way or the other. For instance, mainline Protestants tend to use reason as a primary tool. Evangelical Protestants tend to use scripture as their primary tool. Catholics are fond of tradition, as you probably know, and the charismatics love their experience. But all four are excellent tools for discerning truth when it comes to spiritual or theological matters. Now, in light of the story of Thomas, let's explore the different tools that Thomas could use to discern what is really true about the resurrection of the Lord. Well, when we talk about the four tools within the Wesleyan quadrilateral, let's start with reason. And it seems that a library, my little library here at the church office, is as good a place as any to talk about reason. Thomas believing that Jesus had raised from the dead simply wasn't reasonable, was it? I mean, think about it. How often have you seen people rise up from the dead? Yeah, that's what I thought. And so Thomas, using his reason, it just didn't make sense. Jesus rising from the dead? No. A logical person just couldn't believe that. So it seems reason led Thomas to doubt. But reason wasn't the only tool available to Thomas, was it? There was also scripture. Now, here I am in our sanctuary on our altar. We have a large book containing both Old and New Testaments. But remember, Thomas didn't have the New Testament. All he had were the Hebrew scriptures. And while Jesus had indicated that he would be risen within three days, Nothing in scripture really pointed to that. There's one verse that might say something about a third day, but it's, it's not very clear. So when Thomas looked at scripture, his Hebrew scripture, there was nothing in there to indicate to him anything about the Messiah rising on the third day. 
Well, let's talk about the third tool in the Wesleyan quadrilateral, tradition. If reason made Thomas doubt Jesus' resurrection and his Hebrew scriptures didn't have much to say about it, what did his tradition have to say? Here I am at the Clearwater Museum, which seems to be a good place to talk about traditions and local ideology. What did Thomas's tradition say about a third day rising of the Messiah? Well, the fact is, not much, or we don't know much. In the year 2000, there was a tablet uh, that was found called Gabriel's Revelation that talks about a third day rising, but the, the context isn't clear. So we just really don't know if tradition played into Thomas's inability to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. So with scripture and tradition not really playing into the equation for Thomas to decide if the resurrection of Jesus was true or not, Thomas leaned on reason. The only thing that would trump reason would be experience. And so here I am at one of our beautiful beaches here in Pinellas County, because some of you say that you experience God more fully when you're out in nature and especially sometimes near the beach or the water. And so Thomas says the only thing that will trump reason is experience. Unless I touch his hands and his side, I cannot believe. What Thomas is saying is he needs to experience the risen Lord before he can believe. So, one week later, Jesus gave Thomas all the proof he needed. If reason was winning the day when Jesus showed up and when Thomas could experience him firsthand, when he could touch his hands and his side, Thomas believed. Experience trumped reason. Now, what does all this have to do with us today? Well, I find some similarities between us and this story pretty striking. First, the Jews are locked away for fear. In the same way that we're locked away for fear, for us, it's a virus. And maybe even if it's not us, we're not afraid. The epidemiologists, the policymakers are afraid. And so there's a lot of confusion. If we're not personally affected, reason may tell us this is no big deal. They're overreacting. We're using our reason to, to think of lots of different things, including a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Have you heard some of these conspiracy theories? This is people misappropriating their reason for fear. So like Thomas, we're confused. We're, we're hearing reports that may or may not make sense. How do we test what's true and what isn't true? And while the Wesleyan quadrilateral can help us determine whether something is theologically true or spiritually true, that may not be the best set of tools for testing current events and whether we're understanding truth in contemporary society. But there are tools that we can employ to understand if what we're hearing is true. So I've developed, by the inspiration of the Wesleyan quadrilateral, what I'm calling the Covidian quadrilateral. Say that 10 times real fast. The Covidian quadrilateral. And the four tools that we can employ 
as we try to understand what's true and what's not, what's just a conspiracy theory or what actually holds some merit, here are the four tools of the COVIDian quadrilateral. The first is credibility, the second is quality, the third is timeliness, and the fourth is sourcing. And all of that can be determined with a simple fact check. Well, let's look into each of these four tools of the COVIDian quadrilateral. The first is credibility. Who's the publisher? Who's the author? Have they published before? Would you be able to include this source, say, in a master's thesis or for an important paper in college? If you can't, then maybe give it a little less credibility. Check the sources. Now, the second one is quality. Look for misspellings, all caps, um, things like punctuation marks, a lot of question marks or exclamation points. That's a good clue. Now, here's a pro tip. If you read something and it begins like this, this is not a hoax. It's probably a hoax. So quality is important. The third, is timeliness. An article written two years ago may have been true then, but now it's being circulated and it's not exactly current, but we're led to believe that it's a current story. So always check the date on things that you read. And the fourth is sourcing. Well, Uncle Joe Bob said this is probably not a good source or something that says, well, uh, this expert said so-and-so, go back, look and see if you can find the original source. If you can't, maybe don't give it so much weight. And finally, there are groups, websites, that do a lot of this work for us. It's so easy just to go to one of those fact-checking websites and see, is this story true or not? So, these are strange days. We're hearing lots of weird things. Some of it's true, some of it isn't. If Thomas used a lot of tools to figure out what was true for him, including reason and finally experience, then we should take a little lesson from Thomas and do our due diligence to find out what's really true and what really isn't. Credibility, quality, sourcing, timeliness, fact-checking. And finally, the lesson I think that we can learn from Thomas, maybe the most important lesson, is this. If it seems too good and is true, well, then it's probably Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.